Merritt, that was a great introduction to, to this sermon. Thank you. Yeah, this this is about God's word. This this sermon, and um, I'd like to start out with uh, a little story. Robert, this name Kupferschmidt, was an 81 year old with with no flying experience. And uh, however, during doing uh, however, due to a tragic emergency in flight, he was forced to fly an airplane. On uh, June 17, 1998, he and his 52-year-old pilot friend, Wesley Sickle, were flying from Indianapolis to Muncie, Indiana. And during the flight, the, the pilot slumped over and, and died at the controls. And the, uh, the Cessna 172 single-engine plane began to nosedive, and Schmidt grabbed the controls. And he got on the radio and, and pleaded for help. Well, nearby there were there were two pilots who heard the call. Uh, Mount Comfort was the uh, closest airport, and the two pilots gave him a steady stream of instructions of of climbing, steering, and, and the scariest part, which is landing. Uh, the two experienced pilots circled around the runway three times before this. Some what frantic and totally inexperienced pilot was ready to attempt the landing. Well, emergency vehicles were called out and ready for what seemed like an approaching disaster. Uh, witness, witnesses said that the uh, plane's nose nudged towards the center line and bounced a few times before the tail hit the ground. The Cessna ended up in a patch of soggy grass near the runway. Uh, but amazingly, Kupferschmidt was not injured. And, you know, the, this pilot listened to the instructions and he followed them as if his life depended on it. His life did depend on these instructions. And, you know, imagine what would take place in the lives of believers if we listened and obeyed the instructions that we have from God in, in his word with the same earnestness. You know, we, we live by God's word. Uh, we, you know, we need to hear it. And understand it and, and obey it. Well, today we're in Nehemiah chapter 8, and, and we're going to see the, the importance of, the, of God's Word. This, this whole chapter is about God's Word. And, uh, you know, so far in, in Ezra and Nehemiah, the three waves of, of people have returned to the land from, from exile in, in Babylon, and the temple's been rebuilt, the city gates have been restored. And now the emphasis is on the uh, the spiritual life of, of the people, rebuilding the, the people now. And the people need God's word. Let's let's read, beginning in chapter uh, eight one. Read with me in your Bibles, Nehemiah eight. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. As he read from it, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday, 
in the presence of the men and the women and those who can understand. And the ears of the people were so attentive to the book of the law, and Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for this purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Maaseh on his right hand, and Pediah, and Mishael, and Malkijah, Hashem, Hashbadnanah, Zechariah, and Meshulam on his left hand. And Ezra opened up the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Echab, Shabethai, Hodiah, Maasa'e, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hannah, Peleah, and the Levites helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. And on the second day, the heads of fathers, houses of all people, with the priests and the Levites came together to Ezra the scribe in order to study the words of the law. And they found it written in the law that the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month and that they should proclaim it and publish it in all their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out to the hills and bring branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make booths as it is written. So the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof, and in their courts, and in the courts of the house of God, and in the square at the water gate, and in the square at the gate of Ephraim. And all the assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and lived in the booths. For from the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun, to that day the people of Israel had not done so. And there was very great rejoicing. And day by day, from the first day to the last day, he read from the book of the law of God. They kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day, there was a solemn assembly, assembly according to the rule. Now let's pray. Um, Lord, first, uh, we, we praise you. We, we thank you that uh, you are a, a God who 
desires to reveal yourself to us through your word. Lord, as we, as we look at your word, as we, as we hear it and understand it, Lord, give us hearts of, of joy and hearts of obedience to, do the, to be doers of, of the word, not, not just hearers only, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So God's word. There's four things that, that I want to I want to look at from this passage having to do with God's word. First is is hearing. Second is is understanding. Third is is rejoicing in the word, and and fourth is is obeying. So let's first look at uh, hearing. You know, the first thing to note this is the uh, you know the attitude of the people as as they gathered together. To hear God's word, you know they they gathered together. They, it says they they did this as one. They they came together in in unity. They came with with a unified purpose. They came to as they heard as they heard the word to to glorify God. You know, this reminds me of Acts chapter two when it says something very similar. It says when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together with one accord, all in one place, all together as, as one. They, they were unified. You know, the, the early Christians eagerly gathered together in, in unity to, to seek God together. And uh, on this, this particular occasion in, in Pentecost, on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God came and descended on them and, and the church was born. You know, here we, we see Ezra again. It's, it's been a while, I think, since we, we've seen Ezra, but he's, he's still around. Remember from Ezra 7, 9 through 10, uh, he, was, he, he had a love for God's word. He was, he was dedicated to God's word. What, did, what does it say? Does anybody remember? It says that he studied the law, he did it, and he taught it. So he heard it, he, he understood it, and he obeyed, he, he lived by it, and he taught it to those around him. You know, he's obviously well known as, as a, a man of God's word in Jerusalem. So it says the people, the people tell Ezra, hey, bring, bring the scrolls, bring the law of Moses. And all the people, it says, men and women and those who can understand He's talking about children, you know, children who are, are old enough to be able to, to hear God's word and understand what, it, what it's saying. You know, they, they wanted to hear from God. And, and this is great. I love the way it says this. The ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. You know, literally the, uh, the Hebrew would say the ears of all the people were towards the law. The ears of all the people were, were towards the law. They were eager and ready to hear. So Ezra, Ezra opened up the scroll and he began to read. And the words he read were, were not Ezra's words. They were, they were God's word, the very word of God. And as he read, people were standing. I, I, I should have had you guys stand as I, I read this. 
But it says he, he read from the rising of the sun until noon. I, I met this, this young lady once uh, from uh, Ethiopia, and uh, this, this is when I was in, in seminary. And her, the, the church she attended was uh, Ethiopian Orthodox. And she said, in our, our church, we don't have any uh, seats. We, we stand through the whole service. And I asked her, well, how, how long does the service last? And she said, about four or five hours. <laughs> so these, these people were standing uh, as, out of reverence for, for God's word. It says, Ezra, bless the Lord, the great God. And the people answered, amen, amen. It said they were, they were lifting their hands. Their, their heads were bowed as they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. You know, bowing their heads, putting their faces to the ground. You know, look at look at all these postures. You know, they they show a deep involvement of, of the whole person in, in worship. You know, what what does lifting our hands signify? It can it can mean a lot of different things. It can mean, you know, my Lord, here here am I. My hands are empty. I want to receive from you. It can just be reaching out to God in, in his holiness. Uh, receiving his blessing. You know, it says they, they bowed. They bowed their heads. That's an act of, of submission. Even, you know, putting their faces to the ground, that's, that's an act of utter humility be, before God. So, what's, what's the best posture for uh, worshiping and praying? I don't think there's a good answer for that. There isn't a best way. There isn't an authorized way. You know, we can we can pray sitting down, standing up, on our knees, prostrate on the ground. We can we can pray with our eyes open. We can pray with our eyes closed. We can pray in our houses. We can pray walking outside. We can pray in our cars with our eyes open. Yeah, we don't want to be legalistic. You know, we, we want to worship God in, in spirit and, and in truth, you know. And, and we don't want to draw attention to ourselves. But we don't want to be ashamed to be expressive in our, our worship either. You know, this, this was a time of worship. You know, worship isn't just what we do when we, when we sing the hymns. You know, I, I liked that when it said worship in song. Maybe we should have up here worship in word because we worship in song and, and prayer. We worship in, in the word. And, you know, this isn't, this, this event that's being described here, this isn't the first time in, in the history of God's people that this kind of thing had happened. You know, look back through the Old Testament. Moses did this. Moses gathered up the, uh, the people you know, thousands of them in, in read scripture, men and women. Uh, Moses, or Joshua read to the people, men and women, old and young, same kinds of description. King Josiah, remember him? Uh, remember how the, the law, God's law, these scrolls had been forgotten and they found, they found God's word in the temple. Go, go figure. And they wondered, what is this? Yeah. They, 
they told this one guy to go home and read it and let let us know what what it says. You know, they they lost God's word in the temple. Think about that. But he read to the people. Second Chronicles thirty four twenty nine through thirty says, the king sent and gathered together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up to the house of the Lord and with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests and the Levites, all the people, both great and small. And he read in the hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the, in the house of the Lord. And here's Ezra reading the same law of the Lord. Jesus in, in the synagogue, remember, he, he read to the people uh, from the scripture. Remember, he read from Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is, is upon me because he's anointed me. Remember that. So we need to hear God's word. We need to hear God's word. And in Nehemiah's day, in the early church, uh, people didn't have their own private copies of, of the Bible. Have you ever considered how blessed we are? I don't know how many copies of the Bible I have between between home and, and my office here, but uh, plenty. Scripture was read publicly, and, and we should never we should never lose that. We should never lose that the public reading of God's word. Paul tells Timothy in First Timothy four thirteen, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of the word, of the Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. And, uh, you know, we, we need to hear the word. We need to hear God's word. Paul, Paul tells the Romans, or he asks the Romans in Romans ten fourteen, you know, how will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? You know, God's word needs to go out. It needs to be heard. So not only do we need to hear, we need to understand We have a lot of a lot of resources, you know, and we we, dedi- we dedicate our efforts here to to understanding God's word. It's good. It's good to listen to what other people have to say. You know, there's there there are a lot of a lot of resources for us, good and bad. I, I read once about something that Billy Graham said towards, towards the end of his life. He said, uh, somebody in an interview asked him what he'd do differently if he could, if he could live his life over. He said something along the lines of this. I would, I would spend less time reading books about Christianity or about the Bible and, and more just reading the, the Bible. Uh, but, you know, it's useful to hear what good teachers have to say. Uh, you know, the, the problem is we need, we need good discernment. You know, it, especially now with, with uh, the the internet, anybody can say anything, and everybody does say everything. You know, there there are a lot of books. Uh, a lot of them are really good. A lot of them are okay. Some are quite wrong. Uh, but we need teachers who will, as Paul says, rightly divide the word of truth. You know, rightly handle God's word, and and that's what ha- is happening here in our passage in, in Nehemiah. The word was read, and then these Levites went around. My guess would be they, they kind of met in small groups, 
and and they discussed it they explained it this is this is what this means this is what what this means you know we we need understanding we need understanding jesus uh, emphasizes the um, the importance of understanding the word in the, the parable of the sower matthew 13 3 through 9 says the sower went out to sow as he sowed some seeds or as he sowed some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depths of soil but when the sun rose they were scorched and since they had no root they withered away other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. So for each each type of soil, that, you know, representing a, a heart, a person's heart, each person has heard the word. Each one of these four have, have heard. And when Jesus gives the parables to the disciples, it says they, they didn't really understand what he was getting at here. And Jesus needed to explain this parable, which he does uh, in verse 18, he says, Hear the parable of the sower. When he, anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, snatches away what's been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. When the tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the world, or the word, and it becomes uh, unfruitful. As for what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who has heard the word and understood, he says, the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold. In another, 60. another, 30. So we need to hear. We need to understand before it can penetrate our hearts and, and release its transforming power, changing our, our lives, bearing fruit. Um, Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. For the man of God may be complete, or that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So, you know, you implied in all this is, is understanding. Paul's saying, you remember Paul talked to Timothy about his grandmother and, and his mother who had taught him, making sure that he understood the word. And, and, we, and we absolutely see the fruit of that in, in the life of Timothy. That's just a reminder to parents to teach the word, to make sure your children understand it. Do you remember on the, uh, the road to Emmaus after Jesus uh, was raised from the dead? He was 
walking down this road and there's a couple disciples. They, they didn't recognize him. And he says, hey guys, what's going on? They said, well, they said where have you been? Uh, there, there's all, all this stuff happening. Well, anyway, he, he gets into a conversation with these guys. They still don't know who he is. They still don't recognize him as, as Jesus. But he, it says he explained to them the word, the scriptures, the Old Testament, beginning with the law and the prophets. And, and he showed them what it means what it meant, how it all pointed to him, how it was looking forward to the, uh, the Christ, the Messiah. Verse, uh, one of the verses in that passage in Luke says that he opened up their minds to understand the scriptures. We need to long for that. You know, that he, he will, his spirit will open up our, our minds and our hearts to understand you know, the Word of God needs to affect us on, on every level of our lives, our, our intellect. But it also should affect us uh, on an emotional level. We need to uh, rejoice in God's Word. Verse 10, it says that the, the people grieved. They wept. Why did they, why did they grieve? I think that... They, they realize, you know, there's there's some things in here and that, that God wants us to do, and things that He doesn't want us to do, and we've we've been disobedient, we've been neglectful, and uh, they grieved. They were convicted of their sins as, as they heard the Scripture read and and explained. You know, Paul in Romans three twenty says that, you know, through the law comes knowledge of sin. You know, we're not we're not saved by by following the law, but the Holy Spirit uses God's word to convict us, to show us our our guilt. And we have this great promise that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And receiving His forgiveness is a it's a thing of joy, a thing of absolute rejoicing. And so the Levites told the people in verse 10, do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And in verse 12, it says that the people made great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. That was a thing of joy. And it's a thing of, a jo- of joy to hear God's word, to understand it, to be able to apply it to our lives the Bible says that the word is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. God uses it to, to reveal himself to us. He, he uses it to teach us about himself, how to know him, how to be saved, how to live in a manner that is, is pleasing to him. He uses his word to, uh, to cleanse us and, and purify us. I like what Psalm 119 has to say about God's word. It's really long, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. But I'm going to read uh, verse 111. It says that your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are a joy to my heart. So we need to hear God's word. We need to understand it. We need to take joy in God's word. 
And uh, finally, and this is, this is, we can't leave this one out. We, we need to obey God's word. You know, when the, when the word of God takes root in our heart, it, it changes us. It, it transforms us from, from the inside out. <clears throat> we become not just hearers, but, but doers. Verse 14, it says, They had found written in the law that the Lord had commanded by Moses that they celebrate uh, this, this particular festival, which they had ignored, they neglected, the, the Feast of Booths. It was one of the feasts that, that God had commanded. And uh, Leviticus 23 contains uh, God's instructions for various feasts. Uh, the, the Feast of Booths, some translations will, will say Feast of Tabernacles. You know, why? It's, it's to, to remember the way they were in the wilderness wandering around living in tents. You could think of it as the, uh, the Festival of Temporary Shelters. And the feast was celebrated on the 15th day of the seventh month. It was a, uh, a festival to celebrate the Lord, to the Lord, the harvest, uh, really, which is a, a pretty great time of rejoicing. Verse 17 says, And all the assembly of those who'd returned from the captivity made booths and lived in the booths. As from the days of Yeshua, the son of Nun, to that day the people had, of Israel had not done so, and there was very great rejoicing. So, you know, the, the people, having heard the commandment to celebrate this, this feast joyfully, I mean, the law said to do this joyfully. God commands joy as, as they carry this out. They obeyed. Um, Verse 18, day by day from the first day to the last day, he read the book of the law of God. They kept the feast seven days, and on the eight days there was a solemn assembly according to the rule. You know, what it, what it boils down to is what good does it do to hear the, God, the word of God and to understand it and then just say, oh, that's cool, that's interesting. But if it doesn't, change us, if it doesn't transform us, we're, we're missing. In, in my senior year of high school, I, I took this one elective class. It was, it was called The Bible is Literature. I thought, that sounds really cool. The Bible is Literature. I want, I want to take that class. So I did. Well, the, uh, the teacher of this class was an atheist. I don't remember what his name was, but I, I can visualize him. I, I've got his, his face imprinted in my, my memory. <clears throat> and this guy, he, you know, he really liked the Bible. He, he thought it was a great book in its artistry and its form and, and its poetry and the stories. And, you know, he, he, he enjoyed reading the Bible. Uh, to him, it was just a, an interesting book. You know, for him, it'd be like reading... Uh, you know, Greek mythology or something, which is is also interesting. Uh, but he he made no, no bones about his view. He saw it as a work of fiction. Um, so he read it. He he thought he understood it. Uh, he enjoyed it even. But you know, he's missing that last step. He didn't live by it. He knew God's word, but he didn't know the God of the word. He didn't know the God that the word speaks of. God of the Bible.
And, you know, there's always a danger in, in going to church, hearing the word, singing the songs, going through the motions, hearing the word, having it explained, maybe even saying, this is, this is really interesting, but not knowing the God of the word. Uh, James 1, chapter 1, James chapter 1, 22 to 25 says, be doers of the word. When you, when you hear the word and understand it, apply it. Apply it to your life. If, you, uh, if you're here, if, it says, be, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Just like that guy in my high school class. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. He looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, will be blessed in his doing. So, again, we're, we're very blessed to, to have copies, of our own personal copies of the Bible. We, we even have phones that we can read God's word on. That's pretty amazing, really. We've got about, probably at last count, about 12,000 different English translations. No, they're not that many, but there's a lot, you know. And Some people like to argue about which one is the best. When people ask me what's the best translation, I say it's the one that you actually will read and apply the one the one which brings you joy the one the one you will you will live out so let's hear the word understand the word rejoice in it obey it let's love god's word let's love god's word i i want to read another couple of verses from psalm 119 47 and 48 it says i find delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands t- towards your commandments, which I love. I will, I will meditate upon your statutes. You get the idea that psalmist loves God's word? You know, the Bible's not just another book. It's the inspired word of God. Um, you know, what, what are our priorities here at Chewila? What are my priorities? I'll, I'll keep going back to Acts 6.4. The ministry of the word and prayer. We will devote ourselves to the ministry of the word and prayer, the apostle said. And so, you know, if, if we ever lose sight of these priorities, we'll, we'll fail as, as leaders, we'll fail as a church, uh, we'll, we'll just become a, a social club. And why, why do we love God's word? Why do we love God's word? It's because it's his word. Through it, um, he speaks to us. He reveals himself to us. He gives us everything we need to know. We delight in it because we delight in him. Um, so, you know, these, these people had neglected this, this festival, 
the, the Feast of Booths. And I'm not going to say, okay, we need to start doing that now. That was, that was for them. But, you know, how, how about you? Is there, any, is there any area in your life where you're neglecting what God's Word says? Is God speaking to you from his word? Is, is, there, is there something that maybe he, he wants you to do or something that you shouldn't be doing? Um, it might be an attitude. It might be uh, an, an action. Think about it. You know, one, one commentator states it very well. When, when God's people get away from loving, reading, in obeying the word of God, they lose the blessing of God. And uh, if, if we want to be like fruitful trees, we must delight in, in God's word. Let's pray. Lord God, we, uh, we worship you this morning. You've, you've shown your love to us, Lord, in, in so many ways. Uh, thank you, Lord, for, for your word. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. You've given us uh, the, the majesty of your creation. We can, we can just look out and see the, the handiwork of, of our creator. It's, it's glorious, Lord. But you've also given us your word where you tell us very specifically who you are. Gives us everything that we need to know you to come to you, to receive your salvation, to, to live the, the Christian life. Uh, Lord, I, I pray that you give us a, a, a hunger for your word. Lord, use your word to, uh, to change us thoroughly. Help us, Lord, to, to hide your word in our, our hearts that, that we might live lives that are, that are pleasing to you. And we, we pray this in the name of, of Christ, our, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.